Hey everyone, welcome to the Restoring Rapport podcast. My name is Seth Hensley and this is a podcast about reclaiming the place of priority relationship is providentially intended to hold in your life. You know, we live in a world where community is far too often pushed to the back burner in favor of less important things, but the good news is that it doesn't have to stay this way. As believers, we have the choice to prioritize connection in our life every day and to live face-to-face with God and people. In this show, I'll be number one, sharing research which supports the importance of relationship, number two, giving you tools to help you improve your interpersonal connections, and number three, sharing writings that I have done in the past on the importance of community. It is my sincere hope that the content presented in this podcast equips you to better serve and love others. To access my past and future articles, subscribe to my YouTube channel, or purchase a copy of my books, visit homeschoolerponderings.blogspot.com. Hi guys, and welcome to episode 8 of the Restoring Rapport podcast. I'm super excited to do this episode today, as always, and I'm really thankful to you guys for choosing this podcast out of all the things that you could have listened to while you're in the car or exercising or you know, going about your day. I'm thankful that you chose this podcast to listen to. Um, today I've got a really uh, special episode for you. I'm actually going to read you a chapter of my most recent book, and um, if you haven't Um, purchased a copy of my book yet or read parts of it um, I would say obviously as a biased writer that you're really missing out Um, the title is deep in the dance of dependence prioritizing relationship amidst gen z individualism and um, basically I have a collection of uh, quite a few articles and in them I argue that relationships should be a priority in your life and I go through um, the book giving ways to help prioritize it and I also go through ways um to uproot things that could hinder your relationships. So I have, you know, uh, I believe 11 articles all collected for you guys in that book. Um, I'm much more uh, proud of it than I have, than I am of the, you know, some other, the other book that I've written, just because I believe it's more well-researched. It's better presented. Um, I cite my sources much cleaner and neater. I have, um, you know, illustrations and concepts. Um, It's just an all-around better book because I've gotten better as an author. So I would really highly encourage you guys to uh, check that out. Um, once again, it's called Deep in the Dance of Dependence, Prioritizing Relationship Amidst Gen Z Individualism. You can get that on Amazon um, through the link in the show notes, or you could just search Seth Hensley or the title in Amazon and it will pop up. Um, so now that I've told you guys about that, the article that I'm going to read to you today is basically about um, how people are willing to go through quite a bit of harm just to avoid personal limitation and how we as as a culture have kind of thrown out things that are really good for us and we've kind of thrown them out because we think that um they're a limitation they're a bondage um even though they're really made for our flourishing so today i'm going to read you an article um that i wrote and it is a chapter in my book so this is from february 27th of 2020 um I was standing in the Ohio University Southern office at the start of the 2019-2020 spring semester. In order to jump through one of the three million hoops required to enter teacher candidacy, I had to get a background check. As I stood waiting for the attendant to put my name through the system, I couldn't help but overhear a conversation between three students that I'd never met. I listened. Their conversation revolved around the question of marriage and whether whether or not each one of them were considering matrimony in the future. By the end of the rather short conversation, each of them had arrived at the same conclusion. Marriage wasn't for them. Since this is an issue that I'd written about in the past, I decided to seize the opportunity 
to seize this opportunity to participate in a spontaneous survey from the sidelines. I silently listened to the reasoning of each. The general consensus between the three was that marriage was a form of bondage or limitation. After all, wouldn't it be much better to go it alone through life than to enter a commitment that was supposed to be irreversible? So their logic went. I've never met any of these students uh, outside of class, and I don't know their story. I don't know their history, worldview, or personality. I don't even know their names. On top of this, I listened to their story with my own pre-existing assumptions, and through and this conversation is recalled through my finite human biased memory. So that's pretty much my disclaimer for what I'm about to argue. Um, and I'm going to give you another story here, and I want to see if you notice a pattern. Um, another time during one of my classes, a professor began to strongly encourage the class to get out of the area they grew up in. I listened to his reasoning. He presented Ironton, Ohio as a very undesirable place to live because the prospects here are minuscule or non-existent compared to other more urban areas. He believed life in our area was a limitation. A synopsis of his spiel, spiel might sound something like this. Ironton is the backwater of Ohio, and you, if you wish to accomplish anything worthwhile or achieve any of your dreams in life, you need to sail out of this irrelevant nowhere while the wind is still in your sails. On multiple occasions, I've seen this sentiment echoed openly by multi many different people from this area. Um, you know, in both of these th stories, I've witnessed people very concerned about limiting themselves in any way, shape, or form. The students in the first story wish to avoid the negative limitation or bondage that, in their mind, based on their past experiences and observations, marriage entailed. In the second story, the professor urged his students to get out of this area because he believed that it was a limitation for the individual. Both the professor and the students in these stories are revoicing an idea which has been implanted in them by American dream culture. What is this idea? It's the idea that limitation and bond are always obstacles to be overcome. And I give my first source. The idea that limitation is to be avoided at all costs has become very strongly a very strongly defended principle in society. People are very strongly urged to avoid anything which limits, restrains, or bonds them as individuals striving for success in life. Second source. And I acknowledge fully there's a lot of truth to that. After all, as offspring of an infinite creator, we're designed to grow, achieve, and develop infinitely, accomplishing great things unrestrained by any evil chain or harmful limitation god wants us to be free and unlimited by evil but not all bonds are evil there are good and natural limits which should actually be pursued today i'd like to submit to you the idea that seeking to throw off all limitation in all areas of our lives is not only impossible but is also not in harmony with our design as humans why because as humans we're created with inescapable limits we sleep for a third of our lives. We need food in order to function. We require another in order to reproduce. We have to expel waste. We tire and we age. I give my 12th source. We have an unescapable emotional, mental, and need for... Um, we have unescapable emotional, mental, and spiritual needs. And that's okay. Some limitations are not only necessary, but good. Human need is not a bad thing. You know, um, I'm going to take a really quick break here and interject something. I did a speaking event at um, my church, uh, goodness, it's probably, you know, seven or eight months ago now, and one of my points in that um, presentation was that, you know, needing to rest, needing to sleep, your, your, your circadian rhythms that require you to go to bed at night, that is not a bad thing, you know, um, 
that's not a unholy design. God actually made you to require rest. And when you uh, fight that design, you're actually saying, I don't want to operate as what God designed me to operate as. I just want to not be human, basically, is what you're saying. So I would say that, um, you know, some needs are actually not, in fact, need in general is not a bad thing. Need is to be human, and to, to be human is to need. Hi, guys. I just wanted to take a quick break and tell you about a few opportunities that you have as listeners to support this show. Number one, you can rate and review this podcast. Every rating and review I get helps promote my podcast on distribution sites. If you haven't already done so, it takes 30 seconds to leave a five-star rating and a written review. Number two, you can become a financial supporter of this podcast with a monthly contribution. Just scroll to the bottom of the show notes found in the description of each week's episode and click on the link labeled support this podcast. Many, many thanks to all my past and future supporters, and I hope you guys enjoy the rest of this episode. Seeking to throw off all limitation is not the example that God set for us by coming to earth wrapped in flesh. When God came to earth, he stepped into a reality where limitation is everywhere. The creator chose to become the created, confining himself to the laws of physics and biology for the majority of his time on earth. Imagine it. God funneled his entire omnipresent spirit into a body which traveled an average of three miles per hour. And I give a source. He went from omnipotent presence to toilet training child. He went from omniscient king to babe at the nipple. And while Jesus' humanity in no way diminished his power and splendor and accident accented it in many ways, he made the conscious, counterintuitive decision to operate on this earth within the bounds of human limitation. Think of how many times scripture mentions Jesus breaking bread and eating, satisfying a basic, inescapable human need. He ate, he drank, he grieved, he lost, he aged, and he sweat. He didn't fly around. Okay? Think of all the guy think of all the ways that God has limited himself to whatever degree necessary in order to be with you. God limited himself to the room of a tent in the wilderness. He's confined himself to the form of a human. He houses his entire presence within the space of our soul. And, you know, that's a really fascinating way to think about that. Uh, Jefferson Bethke, one of my favorite authors, has a video on YouTube. It's a teaching video. It's called The Intimacy of God. I highly recommend you um, search that and watch it. It's only, you know, five or six minutes. And basically, he had, he talks about the all the steps that God has taken throughout the history of humanity in order to be close to us, even when it regard when it comes to uh, limiting himself as an infinite individual. He, he you know, he's obviously capable of operating without limitation, but he chooses to embrace limitation in order to be with you. And it's a really powerful concept, um, the way he presents it. Um, he, go, he goes through the actually the entire Bible in like five minutes, um, talking about all the ways that God has done that. So I would highly recommend that video for you. Um, once again, that's called The Intimacy of God by Jefferson Bethke. It's a very good video. All right, back to my article. God limits himself to our fractured perception of masculinity and fatherhood by calling himself Abba. Uh, give a source there too. He listens. He limits himself to being understood through the limitations of the human mind. He limits himself to work with you rather than do everything himself. You know, I think of parents who I hear them often complain. You know, I, it would be easier for me to just clean clean a house by myself, or it'd be easier for me to just um, change the oil to the to the car by myself, or it'd be easy for me to just cut the grass by myself instead of teaching someone else to do it. But the, really, the goal in teaching someone else to help you is not to make it easier on yourself. It's to just impart wisdom and um, learning into another person. 
So as a parent, when I, whenever I have kids, I'm not going to say, you know, it's easier for me to clean up by myself instead of trying to, you know, help this little three-year-old clean his room. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to have my three-year-old help me clean his room because I believe that that's, that's an opportunity for bonding to occur when I'm working with my child towards a goal and I'm giving my child knowledge and I'm not just doing everything myself because it's easier. Um, you know, a lot of times I hear parents say, well, you know, why would I, I know that it's good to teach your kids, but right now I just need to get this laundry folded really quickly. Um, you know, I don't really have time to, you know, sit and do it with my child because they're very slow and they're going to drag me down or whatever. Um, and I, and I see the point there. Some, you're not always going to be able to do this, but for me, I would, I, I really value the time when my parents, um, you know, taught me things and spent time with me. Um, working on an activity. So I would really encourage everyone, you know, whatever relationship you're in right now to implement that and not just do something by yourself because it's easier. Um, Because there's a lot of good things that can happen when you work together with another person towards a goal. Okay. And I will continue. To me, that says that limitation is not always something to be avoided, but can sometimes be necessary and good. Okay. And I have a disclaimer here. I'm definitely not saying that limitations, confinements, and bonds are always good. There are many evil distortions of what a healthy limit is. There are plenty of bonds that I can think of which are obstacles to be overcome. If a bond or limitation is evil or hurtful, it is undoubt- it undoubtedly needs to be broken. When I describe a bond or limit as a positive thing, I'm not talking about evil bonds. I'm talking about good limits. As God's children, we are supposed to we are not supposed to be powerless little peons running around on the earth. Quite the opposite. I'm suggesting that we be powerful people operating within glorious limitation because that's what Jesus did and does. So Jesus was constantly operating within confinement during his physical time on this earth. Like the masterful surgeon who saves a life through a small incision, Jesus is a specialist at doing profound work through small gestures and simple acts. He healed a blind man not through a blinding display of glorious power, but through dust and spit. Jesus did not rise above human limitation in order to succeed in life, increase his surplus market value, or win an Olympic medal. He didn't care about becoming the greatest carpenter of all time or the next ruler of Rome, but rather cared about connecting with people regardless of the personal limitation that meant for himself. To me, that is a really profound concept. Um, You know, if we were more concerned about connecting with people instead of freeing ourselves from limitations. Think about how much better the the relationships in your life would be. To me, that's just a huge, a huge principle. Um, You know, I, I think of myself in so many ways. I often want to, you know, be my best self like every human does. Um, I want to, and I want to do whatever necessary in order to become that. But there's actually things that I can lose, you know, in, in pursuing that path that I actually need. Okay. If I'm, if I'm pursuing my best self to the extent that I'm damaging my relationship with others, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Okay. So that's just a point that I really want to drive home and point out to you that Jesus did not, um, disregard his relationship for other people because he was interested in advancing his own personal growth. That's not what he did. Okay. And back to my reading. He got on his knees and he washed the feet of his creation. 
During his earthly ministry, he encountered he entered limitation in order to work healing, and he continues to do so today. I would argue that as his bride, we should follow that same principle rather than seek to throw off all limitations for ourselves as individuals. See, in Jesus, we see the embodiment of what it means to live a life of purpose and intentionality by walking in simplicity and limitation. I'm not saying that everyone should live a life of monastic deprivation. What I'm saying is that there should that there is something irreplaceable about the willingness of strength to limit itself, submitting to potential suffering and binding itself to restriction, all for the sake of another. Okay, I'm gonna take another quick break here. You know, I'm in, I'm in school now as um, training to be a, an early childhood educator, and something that they talk to us about a lot. Um, is just basically the common sense reality that you're not going to be able to talk to a child, um, you know, as you would talk to an adult. You have to present things in a way that they can understand and in a way that matches their learning style. So if I were to teach a child like that child is me, that child would not understand what I'm saying very well, um, you know, because he's not me. He's not on my level as I'm not his peer. Okay, I've, I've already gone through the kindergarten years. If I talk to a kindergartner, like that kindergartner is in high school, I'm not going to be meeting that child where they need to be met, okay? I'm not going to be meeting her where she needs. I'm not going to be saying to him what he needs to hear in order to grow. So as a teacher, I have to limit myself to the understanding level of my students. I have to limit myself to the developmental level of my students. And by doing so, I'm actually freeing them more than I could if I just spoke to them as if they were, you know, a 40-year-old man or a 40-year-old woman, okay? So basically, I would say God does the same thing to us and we should do the same thing to others. You know, you have to get on the level of your your recipient, whoever you're giving to, and you have to give them what they need in the way that they need it on the level that they need it. Okay, so I'm going to continue reading here. Redefining bondage and limitation. Because I'm arguing that limitation and bond can be good things, I want to provide a clarification section and define what I mean by those words. In America, we use the same word to mean 10 different things. It's just how English works. For example, take the word love. People say they love macaroons. They also use that word to describe to describe both romance and the marriage covenant. They also use that word to describe a feeling they get when their son hits a home run or totals a car. And I give a source there. With the use of the word love in mind, Think of the word bondage. In our culture, we normally have a completely negative connotation and association with this word. We associate it with the harmful entrapment and consider it the antonym of freedom. But a bond can also be used to describe a positive thing. A bond can be used to describe a soul tie. A bond can be used to describe a deeply emotional and loving attachment to another person. We often use the word bond to describe the chain of the enslaved, but it can also be used to describe the connection between a husband and wife. A bond can be good. In the same way, the word limitation has a less than positive meaning most of the time in our daily language. Limitation is often portrayed as the force which keeps us from good things, but limitation could also describe the force designed to keep us from bad things. Limitation could be used to describe the boundaries parents set for their children or the boundaries they designed to help them flourish. So a limit can be good as well. Depending on our definition of the words, a bond and a limitation can both be good things that humanity is innately designed to need. We can't help it, nor should we. Don't believe me? 
Ask an astronaut if she would rather be adrift in space, bound to nothing, free as a bird, or held to Earth by the bond of gravity. Offer a child on the autism spectrum the confinement of a weighted compression vest or the lack of one. Ask a sane driver if he would rather be buckled in or free to move about the cabin. Ask a lonely teenager if she would rather be surrounded by community or free of all attachment. Ask the captain of a ship if he would rather be at sea with an anchor or without one. See, the truth is that sometimes a bond is not an obstacle to be overcome. Sometimes bonds are connections between you and something important. That's why scripture discusses the bondage of servanthood and the bondage of the believer to Jesus in positive ways. Humans are innately designed to bind ourselves to something. That's why you can't look outside the window of a moving car without fixing your gaze on a specific point. As humans, we're designed to fixate, focus, cleave, and latch to people and externalities. Today's culture of limit-defying and bondage-breaking, sorry, in today's culture of limit-defying and bondage-breaking, we're no less free from the bonds than we ever have been. We've just bound ourselves to the wrong thing. We've bound ourselves to ourself rather than to beautiful externalities. Wow, that, that hit me really hard there too. The idea that, you know, we've chosen to be bound, we've chosen to bind ourselves to ourself rather than to, you know, other people, um, other other things that we are designed to rely on. We've just chosen to say, I'm enough for me um, and that's all that I'm going to bind myself to. You know, that's a powerful idea. Um, culture knows that it's impossible for the human spirit to float around bound to nothing, so in idealization of the self and fear of harmful enslavement, it encourages the individual to bind himself to himself. What culture doesn't realize is that genuine freedom is not freedom from all, but freedom from the correct things. And I give a source there. The best action for we as humans to take is to bind ourselves to the right things, not to cut all ties and drift anchorless into an oblivion. We're, we're to build our house on the rock. We're to plant ourselves on that which is firm. As Homer's acclaimed seafarer Odysseus, we are to bind ourselves to the mast so that when the sirens of culture sing their gospel of autonomy, we are not lured into the dark, boundless space of independence to suffocate in our own isolation. And I give my 11th source there. And basically the main thing that I wanted you guys to get out of this episode is the realization that limits are sometimes not limits. Limits are sometimes things that you are designed to need and that you are designed to operate in. And when you try to get rid of those, when you try to go without limits or, um, you know, free yourself from all um, needs and, and um, limits, you are actually damaging yourself. You're damaging your soul. And you're essentially saying, God, I hate your design. Um, I hate the way you designed me as a human with needs and I don't want to need anything. Um, because I like to feel self-sufficient. But here's the thing. You're not actually designed to be self-sufficient, okay? Humans are not designed to be self-sufficient. You know, think of children who come out of the womb, and even when they're in the womb, they're completely dependent on their mother. When they're out of the womb, they're still completely dependent on the mother, okay? That's how humans are designed. They grow up, um, you know, they become what we would call more independent um, and as they grow, but then that, that dependence is just transferred from the parent into a, into a lifelong partner, okay? So then they get, they get a spouse, they get a, you know, a significant other, and suddenly that person has, they, they need that person, okay? People need their, their significant other, their, their life partner, their spouse. Um, so you might say, well, 
Seth, I don't need my parents anymore. I'm a, I'm a self-sustaining adult. But you probably, odds are, have some person in your life that is, um, you know, even if you're not married, somebody that you, you rely on um, for your health, happiness, and emotional security. So I would say that you really never graduate to from needing, I would say you never really graduate from needing to just being self-sufficient. That's, that's, that's a myth because humans are designed to need things. There's, there's something in your life right now, um, regardless of what season you're in, that you need and that you cannot go without. And I would say that that's actually oftentimes healthy um, to need things because when you try not to need things, you're essentially saying, I don't want to be human. And you are, you are. So that's the point of today's video or uh, today's podcast. And as always, um, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I really appreciate all the effort that you go to to support a podcast that is not huge. It's just, you know, a little side project of a, of a college student. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Um, remember to check out my book. Remember to rate and review this podcast. Um, the more rates and reviews that I get, the more this podcast can be um, produced to other people. So remember to do that. Um, like, comment, share, that kind of thing. You know, your standard um, business promo. And um, basically that's all that's going to help me um, continue to grow. Um, and I really appreciate all the, you guys that have done that already. Thank you so much for the ratings, the five-star ratings and the reviews. Those have helped me tremendously. Remember to do that this week if you have not done so already. Um, remember to buy um, copies of my book. And I will talk to you next time on the Restoring Report podcast.